So now we come to the sermon. In our scripture reading this morning, I think you can find, you'll find you can relate to the disciples. We find them in a time of great anxiety. Everything had changed for them. They might have said that things would never be the same. They might have said they were waiting for a new normal, but they did not know what that could be like. And in the meantime, they were hiding in their homes, afraid. Many pastors in these days, yours included, have been writing letters to stay in touch during these days of physical distancing, just like in the times when the New Testament was being recorded. And I had the chance to see a letter that another UCC pastor, Reverend Elena Larson, who serves a church in California, wrote to her people a few weeks back to encourage them. And I found that it encouraged me as well. And I wanted to share some of it with you. It also changed the way I read our scripture passage for today. This is what she wrote to her people. Dear First Church Friends, I want to remind you of a spiritual value we don't often discuss in modern life. It might be one that will help you in your daily life as these unusual weeks add up and potentially take a toll. It is a gift of the spirit, a quality of the person, which can be cultivated and enhanced. I am speaking of forbearance. She writes, forbearance is an old fashioned word with a simple meaning, making allowances for other people's faults, restraint and tolerance. She says forbearance is the daughter of patience and forgiveness, maybe the cousin of compassion. But in modern terms, she describes it as cutting slack for one another. She says it is a gift from God to be able to forbear, to hang in there and show tolerance. She says God's love is perfect, but no person is faultless. We do not owe perfection to each other. Instead, we can express our faith in God's love by showing understanding. She says maybe when we need it, we might receive the gift of forbearance too. She signs it, sending you love and prayers, Elena Larson. The gift of forbearance as a Christian value has never seemed more important to me now since reading her letter. So our scripture reading this morning is usually thought of as the Doubting Thomas story. We read this on every second Sunday of Easter. But this is something that I love to do. We can rename this chapter in the Bible. We don't have to come to it thinking of it as the Doubting Thomas story. I think it is more helpful if we come to it thinking of it as the forbearing Jesus story. Let's listen together for the word of the Lord from the Gospel of John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the religious authorities. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. As after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of this word. Poor Thomas. I would not be the first one to point out that Thomas gets a bad rap here. Lots of people have mentioned that Thomas was just wishing he could have that same resurrection experience the other disciples had. Talk about FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Where had he been when this amazing resurrection experience happened? Don't you wonder what it could have been that kept him away? I imagine now as I read the story this week, they were all locked at home terrified and they sent him out to run the grocery, to run groceries and errands. He went out to pick up the necessary supplies to bring them back and he's missed this appearance of Jesus. How would he have felt? Mad at himself? Mad at his friends? Does he assume that they're pulling a prank on him? He's the butt of this joke. He thinks they've made up a story and they're laughing at him behind his back. Or does he think they are confused, mistaken? They are the butt of a joke to some Jesus imposter. Nonsense. He won't believe it. So he reacts like we might do when we're put in a situation that makes us feel deeply uncomfortable. He reacts with frustration. Jesus points out in this story that this is not the best response. He says, blessed are those who are going to handle this differently, right? Blessed are those who have not seen and believe. He doesn't say that Thomas is doing this quite right, but to Jesus, that doesn't matter in this time because Jesus does show up and he gives Thomas what he needs. Thomas has said, acting out of anger and frustration, that what he needs is to see to believe and Jesus returns for him. Jesus puts up with him. Jesus forbears with him. This resurrection experience for Thomas is the experience of someone forbearing, even especially when Thomas is not his best self. So the Easter season always takes this surprising turn, right? Last week, tulips, if we'd all been together, trumpets, bunnies, chocolate, whatever you've given up, 
For Lent, you can have that back again, the favorite hymns. Normally, we would have a full sanctuary. And then always the very next Sunday back to this. It's a little bit of a letdown. It's even sometimes called low Sunday by people who work in churches. But I think it is low in this beautiful way. This is Christianity for the every day. This is Christianity for the skeptics. This is Christianity for the humble. For all of us, and I, encount, I include myself here, who are just doing the best we can in these days and not always being our best selves. Like the first line of our covenant, we are united in striving. We're just doing the best we can, and we're forbearing with each other when we understand that sometimes the best we can do, like Thomas, is not always ideal. This is Christianity for any number of expressions, for when the rubber meets the road, for when push comes to shove, for when you're in the weeds, for when you're just trying to be a decent person and a checkout line while not contracting a horrible virus. Fear causes this to happen for us, just as it did for the disciples who were hiding in their homes. Fear of the religious authorities. We act out of our worst instincts and impulses instead of our best. So Thomas, stressed, jealous, afraid, acts out in a way that sounds petulant, disbelieving, and frustrated. I think a lot of us can relate. There was an op-ed in the New York Times admitting to how hard it is to forbear with people in these times. The headline, the seductive appeal of pandemic shaming, right? We just want to point fingers and list all the people who are not doing this well. The subtitle is, I can't control who gets sick or when we might return to something that looks like normal. But judging a random guy on the sidewalk, that I can do. This would be, of course, the opposite of forbearance. So I think we're all reevaluating what we want our lives to look like when this is over. More time with people who really matter to us. Fewer obligations. Living a life that leads, leaves less of an impact on the environment. I'm sure you have your own long list. But I invite you to also look at this experience, whether you're overwhelmed with way too much to do, maybe especially then for you, or whether you find yourself with so much alone time on your hands. This is a good time to practice the Christian value of forbearance. So here's a suggestion. Try something like this. If you see someone with a full cart of necessities and it looks like they're hoarding something, Try assuming that they work at a shelter and they are restocking supplies for dozens and dozens of people or that they have a list of elders in their neighborhood and they are making appropriately socially distant stops all along their way home, dropping off some of those supplies for others, as I know many of you are doing for each other. Assume that if someone suddenly has a family member sheltering in their home who wasn't there last week, Assume she had to move locations for reasons far beyond what you might care to know. If you see a cashier be rude to a customer, assume that it is because she has just encountered a hundred people who have been rude to her a few feet away from her 
and she has an asthmatic child at home, and that it is her own lack of compassionate or sick leave that is on her mind. If you see kids outside who look like they're standing too close to each other, assume that they are siblings, even if you don't think they look that much alike. If you see someone get angry with someone else, assume it could be because he is just worried about his spouse, a nurse who is trying desperately to save the lives of people who are seeming to be so risky with their own. If you see someone who looks like they are acting out of their worst, assume they are grieving a terrible loss of someone they loved best of all. People are grieving. Be patient and forbear with each other. And forbear with yourself first. Like all Christian practices, forbearance does not come in a limited quantity. The more you practice self-love, self-acceptance, self-forbearance, the more you will have left for others. This is why it's a practice. It becomes easier the more you do it. When you've gotten really good at one level of difficulty, you will be ready for the next. I like to think that because Jesus is risen, he is living, and his presence is among us. <clears throat> I look for resurrection moments, those first Sunday of Easter moments, when you remember that people have gone on to everlasting life, when you hear that people who have been on ventilators can be healed, that relationships that seemed broken can be saved, that spring can come again, we know how to look for Jesus there. But look for Jesus in the most humble moments too. Those small times, day to day, when you can shrug off someone else's faults. Because as John tells it, one of the first things Jesus came to do after Easter was to show forbearance to a struggling Thomas. That is also the presence of the living God. Small, simple, humble, down on the ground Christianity for the everyday, for the low Sunday, for the here and now, for you, for me, for the checkout line, for wherever you go. For the stubborn family member, for the church who is trying to exist in new ways, we are united in striving, failing, forgiving, trying again, and always loving. Thanks be to God. Amen.